<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. Pursuit to Algiers, a uh, Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce, Sherlock Holmes movie. And I guess my next question is, I mean, are we done? <laughs> Should we stop not just the podcast, but stop watching movies? <laughs> Should we take out our eyes? <laughs> and also puncture our eardrums? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that would be probably the safer move, frankly, after that. After that bomb. Pursuit to Algiers, more like pursuit left us bored to tears. Pursuit up my rear. 
<laughs> uh, when you say Sherlock Holmes cruise ship mystery, like you don't think it's going to be good, but you think it's going to be at least fun bad. This wasn't. Very disappointing. Uh, I guess we'll talk more in detail about it, but the basic plot of the picture is that Holmes is assigned to bodyguard. <laughs> I know you lo- I love I know you love it when he, the character uh, does something that he's basically hired muscle in this. Yeah, he's like Kevin Costner in uh, that classic Whitney Houston film The Bodyguard. It's weird how they sang that and I will always love you song in this. There sure was a lot of singing. Which we're talking more about. So basically, he's hired to bodyguard somebody. They end up on a ship. Gosh, I wonder who the hit men are. Gosh, I wonder if they'll arrive there safely. Gosh, I wonder if there'll be uh, some hot tunes. Mm. Gosh, I wonder if Watson will sing. Answers to come. Watson's actually the person who sings the Whitney Houston song. <laughs> it's very touching. And I... <laughs> <laughs> they just take like five minutes to do this in the middle of the movie. He, he kills it, hits all the notes. No one ever talks about See, it again. And actually, there's kind of a moment in the movie where it kind of feels like Watson is at least... <laughs> He's singing out in the ocean. It's sort of like a Titanic moment. Yeah, there's a moment in the movie where Watson erroneously believes Holmes <laughs> has passed away. And he goes out and stares at the water. And you can imagine him singing... We'll always love you. Great song by Miss Dolly Parton, made famous by Miss Whitney Houston. Classic. Before we talk more about that, and before we even talk more about the movie, let's just say we're going to do things a little bit different in this episode. Uh, Instead of going scene by scene, we're going to kind of sum things up and boil things down and uh, keep things moving. Uh, I mean, but... Unlike the people who made this movie. Exactly. We're taking a we're taking a page from their notebook and we're crumpling that page out and burning it and then we're starting afresh. Uh because, you know, if we went by it scene by scene in this one, you'd be pretty bored and so would we and we want to boil it down to what you need to know. I guess you you kind of mentioned the central thrust. What what is the mystery though? There's no mystery. There's no real mystery. The mystery is who are the enemy agents on board the ship and let's just say you know, normally, like, a good mystery might have a few red herrings. Uh, oh, this guy looks sketchy. Oh, but it's actually the one who looks harmless who's the, the, the cruise ship murderer. In this case, like, we'll go into it later, but you pretty much know who the guys, the bad guys are immediately. So it takes some of the suspense out. You're not worried about everybody. You're like, oh, it's those guys. And then you're right. And also none of the uh, people who are potential hit people seem to be especially formidable. None of them really seems to be a good match for Sherlock Holmes. It's as if uh, Michael Jordan is on a cruise ship and there's suspense about who he's going to play basketball against and everybody who is a potential opponent for him is either Kevin or Anya. (laughs) It's just us. Space Jam 2. (laughs) Electric Boogaloo. There you go. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty pathetic. Um, I guess, you know, what, so yeah, to give more of a summary, there's, uh, 
the crowned prince of some. Well, well let's let's go back uh-huh. to the very beginning of the picture. Okay, yeah, okay. Because the very beginning of the picture is oddly delightful. Yeah, this was great. I was actually kind of excited at this point. Um, basically, Holmes uses QAnon logic to piece together the mystery. Um, because basically, it's Watson and Holmes shuffling down the street as they want to do talking about like how they're going to go on a vacation and a bunch of people are walking up and giving them like tiny little clues and Watson is oblivious, but Holmes is piecing it all together. So what, what are some of those clues? Uh, like a random person tells them to go eat fish and chips. Yep. And then another one, you know, says, Oh, maybe you should order this at, you know, at the fish and chip store and like circles the prices. And so all of those bizarre contrivances leads Holmes to the inevitable conclusion that he needs to meet someone at eight o'clock at 26 Fishbone Alley. And I was a little bit disconcerted that our address ended up in this movie. I know. What the fuck? We got doxxed by Sherlock Holmes. Fucking rude. We move across the country to Fishbone Alley and suddenly everybody knows. People are going to be busting down our doors because they're going to think we're going to have some mission for them. Sorry, folks. This isn't like the movies. <laughs> Fishbone Alley. Fishbone Alley, baby. And, and and Watson is just in a bad mood here. He just wants to go on vacation with his best bro. He hates fish and chips. He's getting dragged along for this whole thing. And it's just sketchy as all hell. And the whole thing, the whole thing reminded me of that episode of Community where Chang is has delusions that he's a noir detective, and he's like just making, just his synapses are connecting things that should not be connected, and it's just all bullshit. That's what this reminded me of, and it was just a delightfully oddball kind of surreal sequence. So I was, I thought we were in good hands. I thought what we were gonna see wasn't gonna make any sense, but it would at least be fucking entertaining. This wasn't entertaining. No. My heart started to sink as soon as they used Fishbone Alley. And then the more of Watson that appeared in the picture, the more my heart sunk because uh, Nigel Bruce, the performer who plays uh, Dr. Watson, of course, does not look well. No, he doesn't look well. I I was worried about him in this. He looks like he's like just spent six months in the hospital. I just got glasses, you know what I mean? So I, at first I was like, maybe I'm just seeing more than I used to. But I, yeah, he looked all puffy. I felt, I felt sorry for him. I wonder if, the, yeah, I wonder what was going on. And it wasn't like they were giving him a break. Like he was in it more than Basil Rathbone. So this was, this, this was like his picture. And you'd think a Holmes picture with a lot of Nigel Bruce. Giving us what we want. But no. We'd be we'd be there in the New Testament yelling, "Give us Nigel Bruce!" When everyone else is yelling, "Give us Barabbas!" <laughs> but we're we're not happy with with what we got here. <laughs> what an odd uh, revelatory joke! <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. I was trying to think of a situation where people would have been like, give us Nigel Bruce. And that's all I could come up with, okay? In church, in in a Baptist church, do you have to, like, do the reading where, like, everyone has a part? 
we would sometimes have responsive readings if that's what you mean. Right, where like the crowd, you have to be like, give us Barabbas. And the priest has to, or like the minister in your case has to be like, oh, I'm Jesus. And then like some other guy is like everybody else. We didn't do like little plays. I didn't say it was a play. It's not a play. A play would be interesting. It's literally like everyone gets up, like the, like the, the congregants are the crowd. And usually the, the priest is Jesus. And then the person who always does the readings each week is like Pontius Pilate Every everybody else, all the other characters, and so, you, so it sounds to me like a play. It's not a. No one's doing anything. Everyone's just standing there reading. So like a radio play. It's like a radio play. See what we would do, at least in my church, is we'd have these responsive readings where, it, like, I'm, I'm. This obviously isn't uh, going to be uh, word for word, but but the the minister would say something like, "Hey, what do you think about this Jesus fella?" And then the next line would be crowd, parentheses, in unison. Jesus is great. And we say it all together. And you go, well, how is he great? He is great because he is love. Love and so, that. And that's what we do. We wouldn't do like little character arcs. No, it wasn't It wasn't a character arc. It was like literally. It was like a little miniseries. <laughs> Critically acclaimed. There were like any twists. Yeah, it was like a podcast. <laughs> the serial music would come on and we'd all know what to do. No, it was like it was like like the big twist at the end, like Jesus comes back. <laughs> He's alive. <laughs> Brian blessed voice. <laughs> Christ is alive. <laughs> no. It was like it was like from the gospel, but like they just give it like you know how like in our script for murder sheet we'll like be like Anya Kane says like the killer was known to the police. Like it'd be like that, but like you know, it would be C for crowd. That's us. That's the congregants. Uh, you know, C for, uh, no, not, C, not C for Christ. That would just get confusing. <laughs> People would be talking over each other. And then, you know, like, like the priest would be Jesus usually. And, uh, and then, yeah, like there would always be like some older lady who would do all the readings, like do first and second reading. And then she'd be like Pontius Pilate. She'd be like everybody else. And so that would get a little bit confusing, but it'd be like, She'd be like, would know. she like do different voices? No, 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 no. That would be Th- that'd weird. be pretty fun though. No, that would be too weird. It's also interesting to me. You say this is kind of similar. Mm. These Catholic readings, yeah. these Catholic playlets, are similar to what we do on Murder Sheet. Yeah. So that makes me wonder if we do our big live Murder Sheet event. <laughs> Let's get a crowd in here. <laughs> do a do a little playlet. Let's get. What would that play be like? Get all the fans in. <laughs> Distribute little scripts. Would it be like a behind-the-scenes playlet where like it's just about us making an episode of the murder sheet? So like procrastinating for like six days and then like cramming on Sunday. You yelling at our dog? Yeah, I mean yelling at the dog, the the roadcaster breaking down. So would the crowd be like Lanny, our yeah. dog, and they'd have to like hold up little dog collars and shake them at inappropriate moments? Or maybe like two negative reviewers. <laughs> Uh, then maybe it like, writes itself. It writes itself. It's a good thing those negative reviews don't stick in your craw. No, not at all. Obviously not. Water off a duck's back. I don't, and speaking of water. I don't think about it. Oh, speaking of water, we came back full circle. Yeah, I'm good. Back to pursuing the pursuit to Algiers. Also, you think, oh, Algiers, it's in the title. We're going to go there. The capital city of Algeria, right? I might be making that up. I have no idea. 
look it up. But of course, I was thinking of the 1938 film Algiers with Hedy Lamarr. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds more interesting than this. Charles Boyer. It sounds more interesting. Than, I'm, I'm sure it's a better film, so that's probably where your time is best spent. But in this case, they never even they never even get to Algiers. <laughs> we don't even we don't step foot in Algiers. Algiers is just an idea. Uh, and you know, that's, it's, it's, ugh. where, where were we? We were talking about, we were talking about, uh, who knows, <laughs> the beginning of this. Oh, uh, okay. So, so basically now that we've set it up, the, the issue at hand, the issue that Sherlock has been contracted to deal with is the fact that in some, you know, fictional European country of Ravinia, um, the, the king has been murdered. I'm going to I'm going to sketch this out for you and maybe you could tell me Kevin as an astute observer where the issue is with this premise. Okay? So the king has been murdered by an evil group, you know? Maybe they're communists, maybe they're fascists. We don't know. They're baddies. They're bad. Uh and now they want to kill the prince. Oh no. Who I guess is the new king now. I mean, a terrible time for Ravinia. Uh and Sherlock Holmes thinks this this is a big issue for democratic countries everywhere and that in order to save democracy in the world, he needs to install a new king in Ravinia. To, just stop me where you figure out what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. He's preserving a monarchy. He's preserving a monarchy, which is fine, whatever. But talking about how it's so important for democracy that he needs to get... The, the fact that this this random kid on the throne just because he came from some, you know, specific family uh, popped out of a certain person's you know where. And that means that he that God says that he's the best person to rule. And that's important for preserving democracy as opposed to whatever the fuck these other people want to do. Right. And if and I'm going to say this, if 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 democracy was on the plate for this ruling family, why? Why hasn't it been established yet? It's like, what? It's like fucking 1940-something? Come on. If they were going to do it, they've already done it. They've had their chance in your and book. I, I hate Sherlock Holmes being like, oh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a staunch democracy guy. I mean, this dude, like, okay, the original, I, I, the, the worst, the, one of the worst, you know, phases of the, the original character by Arthur Conan Doyle is when he gets all preachy at the end of like, oh, you know, England is so great and, uh, you know, we got to do a war with Germany because it's going to be a good cleansing wind and all that stuff. The character, you know, is, his whole thing is he like lives to solve problems and, and unravel mysteries and you don't really get the sense that he's really super political. I mean, like, it's not that he's wants evil people to be in charge it, it just, he, he's not a political character it, it, all the big picture stuff is left to mycroft right that's what i always imagined and and sherlock's more about like the everyday people what's going on in the world how can he solve intriguing mysteries so the fact that he's like oh yeah i really care about democracy even though this doesn't even make any fucking sense it's like okay thanks and let me mention something else that is stupid this is a crucial plot point is that due to some plot contrivance, no one in Ravinia, which is that where the Chicago Symphony does their summer concerts? <laughs> is it? But uh, no one in Ravinia knows what the prince looks like. He's a member of the royal family. He's their future king. Nobody knows what he looks like because he's been hanging out in London. 
for presumably forever. He was smuggled there when he was a child. He went to some quote unquote public school, which I know means like private school in England or whatever, who the fuck cares, but it raises a lot of questions. Also, this kid has like never been to the country he's going to be ruling in two minutes. Like, what is this? Like a fucking like, I mean, I feel like Christmas Prince had a better explanation of like (laughs) why the local monarchy needed to exist than this thing. I don't know. It's, it's pretty baffling. So anyways, um, Sherlock, you know, this vaunted solver of mysteries is basically being asked to like stick around this prince and be his bodyguard, which is kind of lame because it's like, maybe if you want to have a prince story, maybe like the prince has been kidnapped or the prince is missing and Sherlock has to find him and be a bloodhound and kind of seek it, you know, seek out what's happening instead of it being like, what, what is Sherlock going to like, you know, be a bouncer and you know, fight off people. I mean, he's he's a thinker. He's not a fighter. Like, I, I think having him in the bodyguard role uh, without there being a central mystery to solve is, is kind of not using the character effectively. I agree. But that, that's been my complaint about a lot of these movies, that yeah. they uh, take away what makes Holmes special and just make him another just bland, uh, generic, clever, detective-esque character. I think what was... What was frustrating about this movie in particular, though, because a lot of them do do that where it's like, okay, I'm going to be a guard of this jewel or whatever the hell. But like this did that. And then like even when it had the opportunity to kind of devolve into a mystery despite itself, it like stubbornly avoided that. Like, oh, we could get a little interesting. We could get a little spicy. Uh, I think I'm just going to lounge in a deck chair. It's like, oh, fuck this. Oh, we could have a very stressful, dramatic scene. Oh, let's let's. Uh, have a musical number. This had the stress tolerance of like a very laid back, doped up grandmother on a carnival cruise. No, not a carnival cruise. A Royal Caribbean. A Royal Caribbean cruise. That's where that's where the level of um, quiet down. We don't want the music too loud. I'm going to I'm going to sit with my my audible books on the on the deck and like that. That's all we're that's going to be as crazy as it gets reading Nora listening to Nora Roberts on the deck of this cruise ship. And then going to bed at 8 p.m. That's what this movie was. This wasn't a this wasn't a carnival cruise. That, that would at least be sloppy and fun. This was like a particularly slow episode of Matlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could I know what you're talking about. I mean, and to, what, one thing that stuck with me, as opposed to anything in the plot, was just the number of times men were saying, "How do you do? How do you do? How do you do, Kevin? How, <laughs> you have to say, how do you do too." Okay. How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? It, if it was that interesting, if it was that spicy, it would actually be interesting. But everyone's saying, how do you do? Everyone's introducing. Um, Watson basically is used by Holmes. Uh, you know, the initial plan is Holmes is going to fly this prince dude to Ravine. And, and Watson's going to go with him on the yeah, plane. Yeah, But then, uh-oh, we couldn't get that plane. It had it had some gremlins in it. So we're going to do this new plane. So Watson can't fit unless he sits on Holmes's lap and that's not going to happen. So despite Watson's fantasies. I know. <laughs> he just wants to be Holmes's best boy. <laughs> I do love their bromance. <laughs> but, but um so Watson's upset and suspicious. They already fucked up his voc- va- vacation with his bro. And now now he can't even go on this secret mission? Come on. But Holmes says, hey, don't worry about it, Watson. I'll take the plane. Why don't you hop on a boat? 
and meet me there, and then we'll have our big vacation. This is how like Buddy Holly died. That's right. Then bye bunch bye, of, Miss American Pie. Yeah, a bunch. Of, they they flipped the coin. Some people got on the plane, and those people did not make it, unfortunately. And then the then Whaling, what was it? Waylon Jennings lived. Waylon with, Jennings lived with the guilt for years. Yeah. So no, no spoilers here, but you know, keep that in mind. Um, Spoiler for the uh, sad uh, life of Waylon Jennings. I know, right? But he was pretty happy. Yeah. He, got, he got to uh, sing. The, he got to be the narrator of the Dukes of Hazard. I know that's pretty cool, honestly. Was that a black mark on his career? <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> They're just a good old boys. They never mean any harm. Now I suddenly, <laughs> now I'm suddenly imagining the Dukes of Hazard theme song, but over over clips of Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in these movies. Oh, I love that. Driving around slowly with a green screen in the background, walking slowly through the street. <laughs> like the Dukes of Baker Street. Oh. Wouldn't you love to see the Dukes of Hazard oh remade? Oh my god. With Nigel Bruce and Bazaar Rathbone? Is is Lestrade like Roscoe P. Coltrane? <laughs> exactly. Would Boss Hogg be uh Mycroft? Oh my god. I would watch it writes itself. I would watch the shit out of this. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> It's like Dukes of Hazard with a lot of British shit instead of a lot of Confederate shit. It'd be much less problematic. <laughs> they drive around with some like royal uh, uh, symbol on their car. Quick, get archive of our own pulled up. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's get on this crossover event. To the fan fiction polls. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> this is what nobody wanted. Nobody asked for, but we're going to give it to you anyway. God. We're really desperate to avoid talking about this I know, movie. right? Like literally anything to get out of this. I mean, honestly, at this point, I was I was a little bit excited. I didn't know what was in store. I didn't know, I didn't know that my hopes were sank before they even were birthed. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to use ship terms, whatever. It's it's not even worth the puns. It's a, so so they get on this ship, and I'm like, I'm a sucker, right? I'm a sucker. I I did some reporting on cruise ships in my lifetime, so I'm like, oh, it's a it's a cruise mystery. It's a ship mystery. We've seen those before. You know, you've seen them in shows. Sometimes the, everyone gets on a ship and then someone either gets murdered or a jewel is stolen and they got it. We're all on the ship, right? Okay, who could it have been? They couldn't have gotten off the ship. So it's kind of like a locked room mystery. We're all on the ship. We're gonna, Similar like a train mystery. It's a train mystery. It's a train mystery at sea, basically. We're all stuck. We're all passengers. We have more room. We have more fun than the train people, let's be honest. But, you know, we're on the, you know, and naturally somebody's going to try to throw somebody off the ship or some, there's going to be some shadowy chase on deck. You know, it writes itself. And I, I'm a sap, I'm a sucker. So I enjoy a good cliched vehicular based, you know, mystery where we're going to, you know, like, okay, listen, is Sherlock Holmes, should he be on a cruise ship? No, (laughs) no. But if he is, let's at least have some fun. Let's get some, let's get crazy. Let's, you know, what what are some cruise ship dances? The limbo. Let's do the limbo with Sherlock on deck. Let's have let's some fun. <laughs> I say let's. I say fuck it. Let's do it. Let's just do it. It's a cruise Sherlock thing, but they don't. They don't get interesting. They don't get fun. Wouldn't you love to see them on the love boat? Yes, that like Isaac the bartender, the inexplicably uh, uh, amorously successful doctor, Maybe. Julie Gopher, Captain Steubing, Vicky. Honestly, this had some love boat vibes at some point because, like, Watson's trying to make a love connection with a much younger Brooklynite lady. Who, who were also try, I, I think, 
We're intended to believe that she might be the killer at some point. Plot twist, she just accidentally got roped into being a mule for a bunch of stolen gems. It doesn't go anywhere. It's not suspenseful. And she sings a lot of songs, like what, 23? And they're <laughs> not good songs, and they're not bad in an entertaining In a way. funny way. Like, yeah, I always think of that Thin Man song. I could still sing it. I could still remember the lyrics. It's... Smoke dreams here by the campfire. This has nothing we, we did, like we that. Just, we just saw this movie less than an hour I ago. I couldn't tell you. I, I was going to, oh, I better write down some lyrics, but I, I can't think of a goddamn thing. At one point, she coaxes Nigel Bruce into singing, or I guess lip syncing, right? Was that him singing or was that lip syncing? I, I don't know. I noticed that the, the, the sound quality changed yeah. once he started singing. It's like, how oh, I'm Lodge Bro. Oh, Lock Loman. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. So, so yeah, he sings, uh, you know, the, the Lock Loman Scottish song in a Scottish accent, which was just honestly disturbing to watch. And me, you, me, you and were... my, me and my interest in this film are never, never be seen again. I, I don't understand, like, what would happen in the, the writer's room. What do people want to see in a Sherlock Holmes film that we need to make sure we include? Like, obviously, we need to have Watson singing. Oh, and also a bunch of like a bunch of scenes of some random lady singing, and a bunch of scenes of Watson and that random lady humming songs together. Also, I think it's crucial we have a tedious shuffleboard scene. Oh, what would you do without a what the fuck? What would you do without a shuffleboard scene, Kevin? Yeah. What do you want to bore everyone to tears? You don't want to, come on. I've never, I, you know, like, you know, scenes in movies where like the two rivals are playing chess and it's like, oh, we're like matching wits and oh, or, or like fencing or something. <laughs> Imagine trying to have that scene, but with a, with a sh on the, on the shovelboard court. I was almost like impressed with how lame that was. It was almost charmingly lame. <laughs> it was really pathetic. And then you got, you know, it's a cruise mystery, right? So you got to have the quirky cruise goers, right? You got to have the milk-toting, gun-milk-drinking, gun-toting old dame who's pushy about exercise. You got, we mentioned the Brooklynite singer. Uh, there's a, you know, a, 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 a porter who Watson feels is suspicious because he's too attentive. And uh i don't know who else two two guys who spoiler alert turn out to be archaeologists even though they keep talking about digging up bodies and watson thinks that's suspicious so i mean like you know you, you got the seeds of a cruise mystery but they don't really like build up the suspense like you pretty much know all these people are going to be cleared yes and uh we alluded earlier to you know watson is on the boat Holmes is on a plane, and we alluded earlier to this scene where inexplicably, uh, in the entertainment section, in the little fun rec room section of the ship, they inexplicably put up a big flash bulletin that a random plane has gone down, and they describe it in such a way that it's obvious it's the plane that Holmes was on. And so then Watson goes out, and he looks out at the... Uh, water and sings that i will always love you and then he gets a, a note to go down to treat a patient patient turns out to be holmes who's there with the person he introduces as the prince uh he he faked uh, getting on the plane because this way he can travel on the boat 
in anonymity, make it easier to get the prints there safely. And so then the next move then is Watson introduced, hey, everybody, my buddy Sherlock Holmes is here on this boat. And also this mysterious young man. My nephew. That's right. My nephew. So my question is, he's gone the trouble of faking his death. Why alert all the people on the ship that... Watson is that Holmes is still alive. There would be no movie if Sherlock had done the thing that anybody with a brain would do, which is stay in the cabin alone and order fucking room service. And then I have another question. So after Holmes is introduced around on the ship with this mysterious young man, the boat makes uh, an unscheduled stop at Lisbon. And then the real hitmen come on the boat in Lisbon. All basically twirling their evil mustaches. It's that obvious. So my question is, who on the boat cabled superiors to have bad guys waiting in Lisbon? That's a really good question, Kevin. Basically, they're saying cruise companies are evil, which I don't know why you'd get that picture based on the poor way they treat their employees and their environmental record and all that. Because the only people who knew Holmes was alive were the people on the ship. Yes. So somebody had to spill the beans. Somebody fucked up. Somebody is bad on the ship. We never even learn about that. So it's not even a remote, you know, remotely interesting thing. I mean, and I just thought it was a bizarre choice to have Watson and Holmes separate because it feels like a long time. I don't think it's actually a long time, but it feels like Watson's dicking around the ship by himself. You lose any momentum you have with the plot. And basically, I mean, they're trying to do like a Hound of the Baskervilles thing. That's a novel in which Sherlock is missing for like half of the thing. But like, this is this ain't Hound of the Baskervilles. This ain't the cruise of the Baskervilles. This is this is a hot mess. And it just I, I really thought that that took the wind out of the sails, so to speak, of this film. And it really it, it it's dead on the water for the rest of the time, basically. Whatever kind of. Whatever, even though it's a silly plot, whatever buildup they had is just completely gone. As I was, you know, me, as we were meandering, drifting along this this boring ride, I was thinking, I was thinking, what, what, where would all the characters from Sherlock cruise? Do you want to know where, what I came up with based on their personalities? Okay. Okay. So you got to think Lestrade is, you know, he's practical. Right. He wants to have fun, but he doesn't want to spend a ton of money. And he's, you know, he's a practical guy. He's definitely a Norwegian cruise guy. I think Watson's crazy. Watson's fucking nuts. Watson's going to go on Carnival and probably fall off the side and have, cause a big kerfluffle because he drank one too many margaritas at the bar. And then Sherlock doesn't really want to be on a cruise, but he wants to at least feel like it's a fancy cruise or something. So he's going to do Royal Caribbean. That's the breakdown. Okay. What uh, cruises would you not go on? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think we're cruise people. I mean, well, I guess Sherlock isn't either. I think we probably, I mean, maybe Royal Caribbean. But I think if we were really going to go on a cruise, we'd do like a river cruise in Europe or something. You know, like that would be more fun. Like, why do you want to go on a big cruise with a, a big boat with a bunch of other people, you know, to, to going to, you know, random resorts in the Caribbean? Like, that's, that's not, you're not really, get, I, I don't, I don't think that would be super fun. But I guess I got I got to ask you what kind of what kind of cruise shenanigans do you think Sherlock 
could have gotten up to. Listen, we both agree this is stupid. You shouldn't have Sherlock on a cruise, blah, blah, blah. But let's say he's on the cruise. What do you have Sherlock do? What kind of fun shit could he, what could he have done? Let's write a better version of Pursuit to Algiers. Maybe the prince is kidnapped and goes missing. We have to figure out where he is on the boat. Oh, I love that. Like like a situation like maybe they're out at dinner with him uh, and he gets up to use the restroom. And maybe even like Nigel Bruce or something goes and like stands guard outside the restroom. But the prince never comes out. He's gone. And when they go in, he's not in there. Well, Holmes, I did see a man with a big box coming out, but you, <laughs> you, you don't think. <laughs> so uh, how did they get him out? Yeah. And what have they done with him? Did they throw him off the ship? Is Maybe not. Somewhere? Yeah. Mm, I like that. I think that would actually be, I could actually, there would be suspense. Uh, and it'd be like a race against time because we're going to dock soon. If you have a situation where, for due to plot contrivances, no one knows what the prince looks like, except for his father, who is dead. Perhaps the prince has some sort of identifying uh, insignia or a piece of jewelry or something. He's got some nice tats. <laughs> no, not, not not nice tats. Something physical that's not connected to his body. Yeah. And that is stolen. And whoever has that and presents it would be recognized as the king. So someone on the ship steals that. I like that too. Now you give me a couple. Uh, you did some good ones. I mean, I think beyond... I, you were trying to salvage this film, and I appreciate that. But I think you could just do some interesting cruise mysteries. You know, if 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 Sherlock is just on on a ship as a passenger, right? You could kind of have murder she wrote rules, where like, okay, obviously mystery is going to follow. So maybe somebody somebody else goes missing. Um, someone gets murdered on the ship. Who could have murdered this guy? Well, he had you know these enemies. So let's let's figure it out. Um, you could have a situation where. Um, I don't know, like maybe there's a fugitive thereafter. It's a famed criminal, one of Moriarty's associates, and they have to kind of, and, and he's going to be on the cruise for nefarious purposes and tied to some event, but they don't know what he looks like. So they need to, you know, narrow it down from the, the, the kind of number of quirky passengers they meet who could, who could, who could it be basically. And there's a, there's a twist regarding that. I really like your idea of the prince getting kidnapped, being missing on the ship. And they have to figure out what happened and, and where he is if he's still alive before they dock. That seems like a good, tight structure and urgency built in. If you're doing it from scratch and just Holmes on a cruise ship, uh, maybe like it starts with Holmes being kind of bored on the cruise ship. Yeah. And then there's some sort of uh, benign domestic type mystery, which often appears in the stories, which he gets really engaged and solves. And in the end, it turns out that Watson set up a, a fake mystery to keep his friend entertained. It was the mystery cruise. Oh, that would be cute. <laughs> and also, I'd like that because it shows Watson is kind of uh, one-upping his friend. We love that. We love Watson to uh, have a little bit of a win. Much better than Watson muttering weird song requests to a woman much younger than him on a... So was she on the... I wasn't clear on this. Was she hired by the cruise ship line to perform and be a singer, or was she just a lady who liked to sing? Maybe she was hired by Moriarty, who is, after all, a virtuoso on the bassoon. <laughs> that was upsetting to learn. I didn't. That makes that that makes the character like a hundred percent less intimidating. Yeah, Holmes drops that bombshell. Yeah, Holmes Holmes did it to probably embarrass Moriarty, but like, yeah, like what you defeated the the Napoleon of crime, or you defeated the 
second best bassoon player in all of the UK. I, I'd like to think that our favorite Brooklynite, Brooklynite lady was actually just a, not, not employed by the cruise ship and just decided to sing every night in the lounge and that all the other passengers were increasingly irritated by this. Because wouldn't you be, you're like trying to eat with your family or sit around and relax and like, well, I'll be in Scotland before you. It's like, just stop. <laughs> See, I'd love it. We're going to be taking a, a trip uh, in a couple of uh, months. Mm-hmm. I'd love it if every night in the hotel we have a, a meal and you just suddenly start loudly singing. I mean, I, I normally do that when we're in restaurants. So I hope well, you do that at home, certainly all the time. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, so one thing that we, you know, we talked about the the unexpected stop in Lisbon and three like literally sinister looking people, a guy in a beret with a mustache, a giant guy who doesn't talk at all. And a, like a little guy who's like smirking and like, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, OK, they're the, they're the agents. And guess what? They are. It would have been funny if they had been the normal tourists and all the other people had been the bad guys. I actually enjoyed the scene where they come on the boat because Holmes says, Oh my God, I got to go and watch these people come in at, at Lisbon. And then he goes and he he turns his back to the people who are coming <laughs> on the boat <laughs> and just stares off dreamily at Lisbon and starts being like the Lisbon Tourist Bureau. Did you know that there's plenty of cool things to do at Lisbon? A city on the go? <laughs> <laughs> He's a, just a Portugal tourism board shill. Did you know Lisbon has a, is a city where you can get active, but also it's a nightlife to die for? Yeah, remember, what happens in Lisbon stays in Lisbon. It's a hot town. It's a really hot town. He's, he made some good points. Um, and also, it was like, these might be enemy agents, right? So let me do, let me, a famous person who people will recognize, go stand out in front and present myself to them just so they're really certain that they're in the right place. And a guy immediately recognizes him and he's like, oh, and it's like, yeah. But again, could have just snuggled up in the cabin the whole time. And none of this would have happened. Also, I don't understand if this is so fucking important. Couldn't. I mean, Holmes has connections, right? Couldn't he have just, like, chartered a boat or chartered a different plane? Yeah, I think so. I mean, maybe the plane wasn't good because the other one was shot down, but, like, just have a have a small boat go. How would the bad guys know about that? And I'm not even sure I understand what the bad guys hoped to accomplish by killing the prince. Is the prince, like, the last heir? If they kill him, does the monarchy end and then a democracy comes? And if so, are they really bad guys? <laughs> Should we be rooting for these fearless freedom fighters? <laughs> this ragtag band? Yeah, I mean, it's like a you know corrupt regime and the country's just getting rid of it. Yeah. I don't get it. But anyway, obviously the enemy agents become Sherlock and Watson's closest ship buddies. They play shuffleboard against them. They play cards against them. They have a lot of fun. <laughs> You expect to go see them all doing like the electric slide on the like the deck during you know with the DJ and stuff, throwing around a beach ball in the pool, <laughs> going down the water slide. <laughs> Is they enjoy fruity drinks with little parasols in them, shopping and like you know Martinique or something, <laughs> trying on clothes in front of each other, 
<laughs> putting on sunscreen on each other's back in like a line. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie then. <laughs> they just met the they met their uh, best friend soulmates. They try even though they're friends with Holmes, they try to kill him. Yeah, and and I'll go over a couple of the really stupid. I mean, this is a cruise ship, right? I mean, you're probably aware of this because you like true crime too, but like lots of people go missing on cruises. I mean, you know, people go missing all the time, right? But like you don't want to disappear on a cruise ship because then the cruise company will like cover it up and it'll be hard for your family to achieve closure because you probably just fell off the ship. But the cruise company will act so sketchy that you can only assume they're covering something really horrifying up. Right. And, you know, that's not good with with, you know, it's it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to get somebody out in the open and just literally shove them off the goddamn ship. You know, alternatively, you could throw a knife at somebody through an open porthole or you could uh, uh, poison their shitty room service coffee or you could have some bizarre British custom where you put uh, hats In little things that explode. And instead of exploding just a little bit, you make it explode a whole lot. <laughs> Talk about a real, that's a popper. And that is a popper. Those are, if for everyone who doesn't know, I actually grew up with these, but they're like, they're like little, uh, they almost look like Tootsie Roll containers. And you, you and a friend pull them apart and it makes a big popping sound. And then there's a toy inside. And there's also a really, really bad joke that you can tell everyone and annoy everyone in the room. And there's a little paper hat that you can wear to look ridiculous at the party. They're great. Lots of fun. So I have a lot of questions about that. <laughs> so they, they set up in this, this hat popping thing. Yeah. They put a bomb in it. Yep. So that when you detonate it to get your hat, <laughs> there'll be a huge explosion that will kill a, you and your loved ones. Pretty innovative. Would that also, like, if you have a big explosion on a boat, yes. won't the boat sink? I was thinking the same thing. And this then, is going to be, like, the fucking Lusitania in two minutes. And then I also note we see these three hitmen come aboard the ship. Are they carrying this explosive material with them? They must be, or at least the parts, right? I didn't see them carrying any bombs with them. What, were they going to carry a big suitcase labeled bomb? I mean, they could smuggle it. So they like put it in their, their coat pockets? Put it in their luggage. Do they have luggage? I mean, maybe it's like a maybe it's like a plane where you can check some things. I don't know. I didn't see them carrying uh, luggage. Maybe, maybe it was in their pockets. I mean, the one maybe it was under the one guy's beret. I don't know how much uh, bomb material you, you need to blow up a paper hat. Maybe not a lot. <laughs> maybe not a lot at all. It's so also this, this suggests the situation that so when they went on the boat, they already had this in mind. You know what we should do? These are British people. They're probably doing this dumb shit with paper hats. We'll be ready. <laughs> and do they also have like things uh, planned for other British customs? Huh. They'll probably try to colonize one of the countries we visit. So we'll make sure to have an insurrection. <laughs> Exactly. Well, they poison the coffee, not the tea, so. Then again, the prince is not English. Was educated there. He was there since he was a little lad. Little lad. <laughs> I love this. The poppers. Yeah, I and, never... and Holmes is like, I don't wear paper hats. Bitch, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he has dignity, unlike Watson. Yeah, Watson's in the buffoonest hat of all. <laughs> 
He's the buffoon of the ball. So you've been in situations where you've blown up paper hats to wear? Yeah, I, I killed five people, but it was worth it. So what is this, like a family party? Or? Yeah, it's like a family party. Someone brings poppers. And to be clear, like they're all wearing different kinds of hats. The only cats I've ever seen are just like paper crowns. They all have different colors. You wear the paper crown. See, I think it would be great because popper is also like a slang for a particular type of drug. So wouldn't it be great if someone like went on the drug market saying we need a bunch of poppers? <laughs> and and there's me and I'm in like a trench coat with a hat and I like slide a big thing across and they're like, what the fuck is this? It's what you asked for, man. And then they have such a good time with them that they don't even <laughs> they don't even worry. There's always like some cheap like thing like like paper dominoes that you can assemble or like a top what? a top that doesn't work. So jacks it, the, the jacks like it's it's the twenties and people have nothing better to do. You're not making any of this up. You really did these things. There's like a little like shitty like like little plastic pole thing and then there's little plastic rings and you can throw the rings onto the pole. That's literally yeah. Did you grow up in Dickensian in London? <laughs> <laughs> Some ways, <laughs> in a sense, yes. It sounds like your family has been really down on its luck playing with. This paper. is when father was laid off from the firm. <laughs> this is when we're in the poor house, the alms house. Just give you a piece of paper and play dominoes with this. My granny gave me matchsticks, and I would light one and imagine a proper Christmas. <laughs> But uh, Holmes foils this explosive paper hat plot. He throws the paper hat explosive into the sea. Where that was like the one funny scene in the film. <laughs> to me, I was desperate at this point. He goes out, throw like he's talking to the assassins. He goes out, like talking to them. Throws this popper into the sea. Looks down. You hear an explosion. And he's like, "Oh, weird!" And then walks away. <laughs> Also, I hope there. Was, I hope it's not like a traditional cruise ship where there's probably decks down there, and he just kills like a pool full of <laughs> nine-year-olds. It was the children's hour at the pool, <laughs> Mister Holmes. All the humanity. You're ruthless. Even the assassins were horrified. I think there's a funnier scene later. Well, I guess we'll get to that. I I don't know what you're talking about, but. Um, yeah, the, the, the assassination attempts are stupid, especially when there's plenty of ways to kill people on a cruise ship. I guess one thing that was disappointing about this scene was that um, I always thought that the giant rat of Sumatra throwaway line was funny in, like, the original Sherlock Holmes story. They just kind of say, it, oh, the giant rat of Sumatra. Like, what, what do you imagine that's going to be about? And then you hear, in this scene, you hear Watson describing it at length, and he makes the giant rat of Sumatra sound fucking boring. That's how bad this movie is. It ruins a, a fun throwaway line for the original, you know. And to tell the story, he, like, takes inanimate objects around the table and says, oh, this is where this was, this is where this was, and it's just tedious. Jesus. It's like your great-grandfather or something, just going on and on. It's like, yeah, this, nobody would be wrapped here. Everyone would be like, oh, yeah. I, I think the, I think the DJ's playing some songs on the deck now, bye. But anyways, it ends kind of abruptly. Is that fair to say? We haven't even... We, we have to tell how uh, the big twist about the prince and also what happens to Holmes. Okay, hit us up. What happens? What happens next? 
again, this is something else that to me was inexplicable. They have uh, arrived at Algiers. Mm-hmm. And so they said, what we need to do now is let's send Watson onto land to let the people know. To cause a diplomatic incident in Algiers. <laughs> to tell the diplomats that we're here with the prince. Yeah. Now, when the sh- as soon as the ship docks, don't they know that? So Watson does it. He gets off the boat. He does nothing wrong here. He's doing what's asked of him. Love it. And then one of the well, the group of the hitmen come and knock on the door. <laughs> and one of them is like Fred Travelina or Rich Little. Because he perfectly <laughs> mimics Watson's voice. Uh, you know, Watson's saying... I, I forgot my. I forgot pipe. my pipe, Holmes. <laughs> very Watson issue. You could, you could be one of these rich little hitmen. Not you're really. Very, you're very good impressions. Not, not, I'm not that great, but neither was it. It was just like obviously not. It was ridiculous. So Holmes is like in the other part of the the stateroom. Uh, the guy that we believe is the prince opens up the door and is immediately captured, ushered off the boat. <laughs> The hitmen then come and very quickly, very, very quickly, uh, bind and tie and gag uh, Holmes and toss him on the bed. This sounds a little bit crazy. <laughs> Uh-oh. And then they, 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 they take a hike. They all go with uh, the prince. Good job, Holmes. Yeah. So then this is about the time that Watson reappears and Watson, with the diplomats, he says, oh, my Golly, all my stars and garters. What's happened here, Holmes? And for the love of Mike, where's the prince? You told us the prince would be safe. We trusted you. Where is the prince? Tell us where the prince is. What does Holmes keep doing at this point? I don't even remember. He's calling for the porter. He's calling for the porter. And it turns out that the person we thought was the prince was not the prince. The real prince was the porter. All part of Holmes' clever scheme. But uh, what happened to the uh, fake prince? Well, uh, there's a quick throwaway line where the real prince says, Ah, he's fine. Don't worry your pretty little heads about him. They slit his throat and dumped him in the harbor. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. He didn't have a family or anything. (laughs) Meanwhile, this character, we don't really get to know because he's just a bland shell of a character. But, like, we've been led to believe that he has a thing going with this Brooklyn singer, you know, like, and, like, he's a person. (laughs) And they're just like, yeah, they got him, but, you know, he's all right, probably. (laughs) We're told that he's rescued, but it's very throwaway. It's a very quick throwaway line. And also, like, what, did they radio that in? Because we never saw that. Yeah, how would the porter even know? That he was rescued. And also, if the plan... And how did this rescue happen? If the whole key thing was for the assassins to kill the prince, why would... And they're willing to literally set off a bomb on a cruise ship to do so. Why all of a sudden is it, oh, we better grab him and take him off the ship before we do anything? Because presumably they'd be worried that something like this would happen where they'd be captured before they could get away. And also... uh... My problem is the prince has been educated at a school in London. 
surely it would be possible for people to obtain photographs of the prince at this school. Yeah. So why didn't these hitmen know what the prince actually looked like? And they like? didn't say like, oh, he was under a different name or anything. They just it it doesn't make any sense. Uh so then the real prince goes off the boat, everybody's happy, and Watson is like, you know, gosh, Holmes, why didn't you let me know this? Who the real prince what was? What the fuck, dude? <laughs> I thought I was your friend. And he says, well, you know, the thing is, uh, Watson, you're such an honest fellow with such a, a, you know, an open and revealing face. You can't keep a secret. And it, which, you know, reminds me, I got to give you some advice. Uh, if you ever decide to have a second career, don't become an actor. And then boom, the movie ends. Literally ends. <laughs> Probably because Basil Rathbone started ranting about how he wished he never became an actor with <laughs> scripts like this. It's not, it's not even like a freeze frame or no. anything like that. It's just he gives that, as soon as the last syllable is uttered, boom. Boom. Done. Boom. It's very odd. So to me, that was the funniest scene in the that movie. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Inadvertently funny. It felt like they were like, oh shit, Basil's about to go off. Let's cut it now. <laughs> Before he gets a chance. They like pack all this stuff in. Like all this is like in five minutes. The wrap up is like five minutes. He gets tied up. The prince gets kidnapped. They discover this, and it's all wrapped up in like literally five minutes. It was like five minutes and like six minutes before the movie ended. You said, "Kevin, please, for the love of God, tell me how much longer this thing has." Yeah. Because you were worried sick. I was like, "Did was I remember? Like, how the fuck are they gonna wrap this up?" Or was gonna be like Pursuit to Algiers two? Oh God damn. <laughs> It's, I'm shuddering thinking of the possibility. So anything else you want to say about this piece of crap? I want your unvarnished take. This waterlogged mess. My, my, yeah, my unvarnished take is that Pursuit to Algiers is actually a slow boat to nowhere. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s. So all of those spell out two as T O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.